At the time of writing and recording this script, there's a pandemic going on. Uh, And at the time of releasing this, there'll probably still be a, a pandemic going on because it's not being handled particularly well. Like most people, I've been holed up in my apartment just sort of relaxing into economic collapse. Obviously, I've spent most of my time on Twitter, just sort of watching and observing everyone's collectively awful coping mechanisms. On one of my daily scrolls, I found myself watching in real time as UK musician MIA, that's MIA of live fast, die young, bad girls do it well fame, had a meltdown about the UK government infecting people with coronavirus using the 5G network so that they could collect data, Uh, which is obviously completely insane. Twitter's kind of good like that, where you previously would have had to wait for a bizarre interview to drop in Vogue or something. Now you can just scroll and absorb before moving on to the next completely insane shit until your brain is smooth and shiny like a freshly laid chicken egg. As I sort of skimmed this information and filed it away under depressing, it got me thinking, what other bizarre shit do our celebrity overlords believe? I'm Alex, this is Pop Culture Boner, the podcast edition, and today I'm thinking about celebrity conspiracy theories. Okay, so the introduction to this is a little bit misleading. When I said I was thinking about celebrity conspiracy theories, it sort of implies that I'm like in Elvis Lives territory. But actually, I wanted to take a look at some conspiracy theories that celebrities believe in. Because when I was watching MIA have her meltdown on Twitter, the first thing I felt was this like incredible sense of disappointment. Well, that's not strictly speaking true, sorry. The first thing I felt was confusion, because I had no idea what she was on about. So I looked it up, uh, and it turns out that there's a relatively widely held belief among certain people that the radiation from 5G towers is causing coronavirus symptoms, and that the government is rolling it out anyway because they thirst for our data. And while I don't doubt the government thirsts for our data, the rest is pretty insane. But the second thing I felt was disappointment. Uh, To me, MIA is really cool. Her art's really heavily rooted in politics, and she's got a really excellent sense of style. So to see her spouting some batshit conspiracy theory in the face of people actually dying from a pandemic brought on in the same way that most disease outbreaks are, that is, newfound proximity to each other and to the natural world, it was just kind of disappointing. When I was thinking about Post Malone in the first episode of this podcast, I mentioned that we often hold this hope that celebrities are like smart people, or at the very least that their worldview aligns with ours. I think it's because the products that these people put out, like art, movies, music, they all often have this really strong emotional connection for us as an audience. We project onto the work and by extension often also the artist which is why it's so devastating when our favourite actor or musician says something really stupid. Without any reason to expect better, we still do. So I thought, let's dip our toes in and we can see what bites. 
it's tempting to start these things somewhere wacky because it's easier to laugh at people everyone already thinks are a little zany. Like if I said to you that Charlie Sheen thought lizard people ran the media or something, that would seem fairly in character. But I think for me to dig up a point out of this, it's probably more useful to start somewhere innocuous. Perhaps somewhere unexpected? We all like Mark Ruffalo, right? He's in the Marvel movies as the Hulk. He does a lot of environmental activist work, uh, notably for like anti-fracking campaigns, which is pretty cool. He's also a really special kind of casual handsome in this way where like it's nice when he pops up as a protagonist in a romantic comedy because it sort of feels like you could have met him in a bar somewhere if only the timing were better. He seems pretty nice, no? Well, uh, he's also a 9-11 truther. Uh, for the uninitiated, 9-11 truthers believe generally that the collapse of the Twin Towers and the attack on the Pentagon were an inside job. They believe this for a variety of reasons, uh, ranging from general suspicion of the government to raging anti-Semitism. Uh, that's just a general conspiracy theory rule, by the way. If you look at any of them hard enough, you end up back at anti-Semitism. There's a pretty significant corner of the internet that's just dedicated to accusing Jewish people of running the government, the media, the secret lizard hordes. It's obviously the worst corner of the internet and one of the things that you should generally be kind of careful about when partaking in a bit of lighthearted meme making about jet fuel being unable to melt steel beams. Ruffalo, I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt to and say that he probably falls in the generalized suspicion of the government camp, given his otherwise fairly nice political leanings. And if that's where you're falling on the spectrum, I'm going to make a call and say that in the scheme of political conspiracy theories, it's probably one of the least offensive. I'm not saying I believe it. I think 9-11 was mostly the result of years of American global interference that was then exploited by people to further their own shitty dollar-driven agenda. But it is the one where I'm a little bit like, if 50 years from now the CIA was like, promised you won't be mad, it was us, <laughs> lol. I wouldn't be like shocked, you know, I'd be like, of course it was, you pieces of shit. So global terrorism isn't hitting that sweet spot of disgust. So let's look at something else. Let's look at Tom DeLonge. Now, most of you may remember, I hope, I hope anyway, Tom DeLonge was the guitarist for Blink-182, who were the drivers of the pop-punk wave and writers of such classic albums as Enema of the State. Well, uh, Tom is one of the 20% of Americans who believes in aliens. So much so that he founded the To The Stars Academy of Arts and Sciences, which is effectively a tech startup company devoted to UFOs, or UAP, as they're now called. That's unexplained aerial phenomena. They had a bit of a rebrand. The board member bios on the company website really made me laugh uh, because they read like, Board member number one, former consultant for NASA, research scientist at Stanford. Board member number two, former operations director at the CIA. Board member number three, um, guy who sold a lot of records in the early 2000s. <laughs> I'm not judging, I just think it's a bit funny. 
But like going from guy making dick jokes to head of a large startup rooted very firmly in the belief that aliens are real and that they are coming is a jump. At the very least, it shows like a real investment in the idea that we are not alone. Here's the thing, though. It's kind of paid off. He's like a little bit correct. So in 2019, Tom DeLonge and the To The Stars Academy were part of the group that got the Pentagon to confirm that they were actually running a program investigating the presence of unidentified aerial phenomena on Earth. Effectively, the US military had known about flying saucers, recorded flying saucers, been studying flying saucers, and generally held the belief, up to a reasonable point, in the potential presence of extraterrestrial pilots on Earth, and they just hadn't been telling anyone about it? And then a couple of months later, Tom and co. helped get the government to declassify a bunch of footage taken by fighter pilots of the unexplained aerial phenomena and publish it in the New York Times. So, like, if we've seen two fairly significant conspiracy theories with two fairly large celebrity supporters, why am I still ending up back at they may be a bit right, though? Like, why am I not feeling the same level of sadness or disappointment here as I did when I saw MIA spouting garbage about the coronavirus? I think it has something to do with the level of threat to common sense that I feel when I encounter the theory itself. Like, until you start getting into the aforementioned anti-Semitic territory that inevitably comes along with this, aliens and a suspicion that the CIA might be lying to you don't really feel like they have the potential to cause harm. But something about the way the world is at the moment means that we've kind of hit this point where conspiracy theories are making this jump sort of out of the shadows and into the mainstream a little bit. It hasn't come from nowhere. There have been fringe theories about everything from the shape of the world to whether we've ever left it since forever. But I think we're kind of reaching a critical mass now where I can say things to you like QAnon or crisis actors or Alex Jones and you'll sort of know what I'm talking about. Even if you don't know it in detail, there's kind of a chance that you've passively encountered the theory before. Sometimes it's through a meme. You're consuming your 9,000th TikTok video of the day and some teenage boy stares down the lens and says, Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself. Or sometimes it's just through your Facebook profile, where that girl that you vaguely remember from high school posts something about how essential oils cured her friend's cancer and she's like super glad that she didn't vaccinate her kids. And then you click on her profile and you see that she got married and she moved to Byron Bay and you think, of course you did, you fucking moron. And then you like hover over the unfriend button, but then you don't do it because the rush of fury that you get from like seeing her stupid smug face is a better kickstart than your morning coffee and you need to feel alive somehow or, or something. It's not a not a feeling I'm familiar with. Anyway, what I'm saying is the internet has really like expanded our opportunity to access conspiracy theories. And not only that, it's made the kinds of theories that gain traction wackier. For example, people have been saying that we didn't land on the moon since people landed on the moon 
But in the 1970s, to broadcast that theory, Bill Casing, the guy who popularized it, had to self-publish a book debunking the landing using a bunch of photocopies that he stole from his job at NASA. And the theory took years to gain as much support as it has. Today, something as horrific as a school shooting can immediately have online detractors finding digital communities within hours of the news going out. Even if disbelief in the moon landing itself is kind of fundamentally rooted in like a distrust for the government, taken at its base level, you can kind of see why it might have gained the traction and longevity it did. Even if it's odd, not believing that we could possibly end up among the stars seems like a fairly human impulse to me. Not believing that human beings could rip each other to shreds with bullets, on the other hand, seems naive at best. There's a similar mistrust for the government at play, but it seems so much more sinister. And it's found footing so much more easily. To the point where, like in the case of the Sandy Hook massacre, it only took a couple of years to get from horrific school shooting of literal children to harassment lawsuit filed by the victims' families against perpetrators of a conspiracy theory suggesting that the whole thing was staged and that no children died. And that's all rooted in online communities. While this weird collapse of the barriers for believability is happening, we've also seen a decrease in the barriers to celebrity, both as a state of being and as, like, individual people. We still have the A-list, but suddenly they're managing their own Twitter accounts and spouting off, like, relatable bullshit about wanting a burger or watching Netflix. And that's where you end up in this really weird space of knowing that Mark Ruffalo is a 9-11 truther or that Jim Carrey doesn't believe in vaccines. But then we also have this new class of influencers and digital superstars whose celebrity comes from their relatable bullshit in the form of, like, rapid-fire vlogging and micro-blogging of their experiences and opinions. These people are accessible in a way that was previously removed from celebrity. And because that forms part of their brand when they say something completely batshit, it often causes less of a traditional media stir than, say having a movie star claim that the deep state is coming for us in vogue. And that's how you have people like Shane Dawson, whose 23 million followers tune in to watch him talk about his life, make comedy sketches, and occasionally pepper in some theories on government lies. In fact, his conspiracy theory videos are so popular that he's started to spin them out into hour-long productions that sit alongside his other more innocuous content. I watched one of them, and look, it's like pretty obvious that he's got a lawyer who tells him what he can and can't put up. But in one of the moon landing videos, he says verbatim, the government fakes so much shit. We've talked about 9-11. We've talked about crisis actors. Why wouldn't the moon landing be fake? And these things are just thrown in there as side notes about like known government lies rather than what they are, which is insane fringe theories. So this is a two-pronged problem then. The first is the changing nature of celebrity. When we look at Mark Ruffalo and Tom DeLonge, we associate them with a specific type of cultural product that's removed from themselves and from their beliefs. Mark Ruffalo in a movie is just a nice bumbling guy. Tom DeLonge in Blink-182 is just a dude with a guitar. What would either of these people know? <laughs> the vast majority of their audience isn't invested in what they have to say as people. They like characters or an album, but not their politics. And for those of us 
who do get overly emotionally invested in celebrities, it's also easier to disregard the things that they say once they get to a point of being uncomfortable because we don't feel like they have any insider knowledge. That's not why we want them. But with the advent of social media, we have a secondary wave of micro-celebrities who've built followings around themselves and their opinions. And that's maybe fine if you're looking for someone to tell you what kind of makeup brush to use, but it's less fine when you have someone telling you that they can prove that the US Democratic Party is privy to a secret ring of pedophiles run out of the basement of a pizza shop. Shane Dawson has 23 million followers, but there are smaller examples who are just as, if not more, problematic. Alex Jones, who ran Infowars and said that the government was turning the frogs gay with fluoride in the water, had 2.4 million followers before YouTube deleted his channel. Other dedicated conspiracy theory channels have followers ranging from the tens of thousands and into the millions, and they couch their insane theories in faux scientific language to point to this insider knowledge and lend themselves validity. The second part of the problem is the types of theories that gain traction. Conspiracy theories range in type from kind of fine to kind of bonkers. But provided you're of sound mind about the rest of the world, what's the problem with believing that Elvis didn't die or that aliens are real? These things don't have a huge amount of impact on the world. But believing that vaccines don't work has quantifiable real-world consequences. We've had a vaccine for measles since the 1960s, but we're still seeing outbreaks because there's been a significant rise in anti-vax communities online. And that's just an example with like a long history and publication in a science journal behind it. The Democratic Party pizza shop pedophile thing that I mentioned, well, that's a real theory. And it had the real world consequence of having someone shoot up the aforementioned pizza place. We're seeing social media platforms acknowledge that they need to stem the flow of misinformation. YouTube, for example, tried appending Wikipedia blurbs to videos on some conspiracy theories, and they've changed their recommendation algorithm for news to ensure that valid sources are placed first. But these companies rely on a business model that requires people to build online communities and share content, and they refuse almost point blank to reconsider the way they moderate that content which allows people to continue to gain a level of celebrity based on the content that they share, regardless of whether or not it has the potential to do harm. I think the current pandemic has really highlighted the need for better digital content moderation. I'm not a person who actively seeks out conspiracy theories, and all it took for me to end up in 5G causes coronavirus territory was a quick stumble on my otherwise fairly normal Twitter feed. And if I were more prone to an anti-science perspective, it probably wouldn't be too hard to start me off on a path that might end in chemtrails, mind control, and the death of my future child via eventual measles pandemic. So there you have it. Uh, I think it's worth standing for the record that I'm like one emotional breakdown and a bad acid trip away from being a conspiracy theorist. So if you want to talk to me about 9-11, hit me up. Dick Cheney made money off the Iraq war. Dick Cheney made money off the Iraq war.